welcome to We'll Listen, the podcast of South Carolina Women in Leadership. I'm Sarah Ballard. Each month we bring you a new episode that speaks to informing, inspiring, and involving talented women with diverse and inclusive perspectives to step into leadership roles at every level. This month, Taylor Doggett talks with Mrs. Brenda C. Murphy, the president of the NAACP South Carolina State Conference, the first female elected as president in its 80 years of existence. Brenda discusses how legislative redistricting has historically impacted Black communities in the NAACP's focus areas of healthcare access, education, criminal justice, voting rights and political engagement, and economic sustainability. Brenda was born the oldest of eight children in Ridgeway, South Carolina, and currently resides in Columbia. She has served in a number of leadership roles in her more than 40 years as an NAACP member, as well as in the Order of the Eastern Star. She's been recognized with numerous awards and honors in the course of her more than 40-year nursing career, which included 17 years as a member of the United States Army Reserve's Nurse Corps. She is currently an adjunct faculty member in the nursing department at South University, Columbia, South Carolina, where she mentors and teaches student nurses to be culturally competent and caring. Brenda is a member of Greenview First Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. She is married to Leo Murphy Jr., and they have three children, ten grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. Taylor Doggett is a native of Columbia, South Carolina, and a graduate of Hammond School and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Taylor received her undergraduate degree from the Hussman School of Media and Journalism with a concentration in public relations. During her time at UNC, Taylor studied abroad at the Journalism and Media Studies Center of the University of Hong Kong. She currently works as a press assistant for the 4th Congressional District in North Carolina, In her free time, Taylor enjoys reading, hiking, yoga, and dismantling structural inequality. Okay, Ms. Murphy, it is a pleasure to be here with you this evening. Just as way of introduction, my name is Taylor Doggett. I am almost fresh out of undergrad. I graduated um, last May, and I've been working with SC Will in various capacities, over the past couple months. And I'm really excited to sit and talk with you about redistricting. I'm an avid political, like budding politico, really just, I worked as a census enumerator over the last year and you've had extensive work with the NAACP throughout the state of South Carolina. So I just would love to pick your brain. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Oh, my privilege. Taylor, to be here today. So, Ms. Murphy, the first question I have for you is, how has redistricting historically impacted Black communities in South Carolina? That as a result of the 2010 um, effort, uh, there was one seat gained in, in, in Congress. So, that was a positive in, in terms of gaining uh, another congressional district in our state. So, I was glad of that. Um, so I, that's the positive aspect of it. Uh, there were challenges, um, you know, there were hearings and, uh, it was challenged in the courts because there were some areas that were thought to be not quite, uh, the lines weren't drawn as, uh, they thought they should have been. And that was, uh, challenged in the courts, but of course the courts did not, um, did not agree. And so, uh, those challenges uh, went uh, unheard, I shall say. And so uh, we're going to try again this year. I think the positive thing that we have going this year is that we formed a coalition with other advocates within the state. 
So hopefully our voices will be heard uh, this year in terms of some of the recommendations that we will be making. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just a incredibly historic and pivotal time every time we get a chance to redraw these lines and just a really great opportunity to have a positive impact, although it may sometimes feel like an uphill battle with gerrymandering to really bring fair representation to more and more voters. Ms. Murphy, could you possibly speak a little more to that coalition and relationship that is forming with other state partners between the NAACP? There are several uh, organizations to include uh, some of the legal uh, teams. So, you know, as we draw lines and if we, um, the outcome, because we know we can draw, we can do and we can present a plan, but ultimately it is up to our South Carolina House to decide how the, well, they will draw those lines. So hopefully they will consider some input from us. But if that does not happen and we, we uh, see areas where we uh, might perceive there is some gerrymandering, we do have uh, legal resources that we have available that have joined us that will be there to help us from a legal standpoint. And some of the other um, organizations uh, have been in this fight for a long time as well. Um, they, they are advocating for the civil rights uh, of all people. So what we want to do is work together and try to make this um, happen, this go round and make sure the gerrymandering does not occur um, as we uh, believe did happen in, in some cases in the 2010 outcome. And in your opinion, Ms. Murphy, do you believe that certain policy issues receive different levels of attention due to gerrymandering? And in your just your experience as a, a public servant and as an advocate, do you feel like there are issues that are maybe really gripping or pressing to communities in which you've served that are, are not being addressed and that that could be due to the levels of representation for different groups? Of course, I, I do think uh, if we just look at um, the makeup of, um, <laughs> the partisan composition that is currently in South Carolina. Uh, we are nonpartisan, but you know, um, but if you just look at, um, it, it's disproportionate, even in terms of uh, if you look at the uh, political parties and and um, uh, the vast difference in the numbers, um, and I. The outcomes in terms of what is happening today in our communities and what's not being addressed today in our communities. Uh, I'm concerned about the open carry uh, law now uh, that you know ha has really passed um, here in the state of South Carolina. Um, you and you probably are hearing uh, about. Uh, the death sentence and you know we had a number of people that were on, on death row that have been there for quite some time and but because they didn't have this specific drug they could not um, uh, go through uh, with that um, with them in terms of the death sentence and 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 make uh, make uh, making sure that that happens so uh, now we heard recently 
well, we know, we know it, it, it we didn't hear it. Uh, that law has now passed where the person, uh, those on death row have, make, have to make a choice of whether it will, will be a firing squad or the electric chair. How inhumane is that? Uh, so, and we, you hate crime bill, hate crime bill here in South Carolina. We are not moving forward. It just, at this point, it's becoming much more challenging. Uh, it seems as if we are moving backwards instead of forward. And I, I truly believe that is because of the disproportionate um, representation that's in, in the state house now. I truly do. Could you speak to any efforts that the NAACP is involved in regarding fair voting, access to polls, oh, you know, wow. I, I, elect, election security and election equity has been an issue for just about forever, right? And we know that the NAACP has always been, you know, leading the charge in those efforts. I'd love if you could speak to some of your, your work currently. Well, this year, I'll just say this past year uh, with the election, you know, it was very challenging because of COVID. It continues to be very challenging because, you know, the work that we do in terms of um, getting the vote, uh, the individuals out to vote continues. We, we um, register individuals, we educate individuals, and we even assist them to, in getting to the polls if need be. The risks that people had to take in order to vote it was more, somewhat more challenging, but uh, we still need, did what we needed to do. We, we um, did what ne we needed to do in terms of trying to be safe, in terms of using um, protective equipment and as we needed to. We went out because we knew it was important that uh, the census was done, that we get as many people as possible to do that. So we went out, we had, to, we had to take risks in order to make sure that we got individuals registered at the polling places to vote, dealing with challenges, and we still are right now in some counties, dealing with the fallout where voter suppression took place and doing what we can to make sure it doesn't happen, but we know it's going to be challenging in the future as well. But we still, I mean, we still, fighting to ensure that individuals can vote. And we know that there are a number of bills that have been proposed that are going to make it here in our state as well, that are going to make it very difficult for individuals, more difficult, I should say, for individuals to have the opportunity to vote. I'd like to now turn Ms. Murphy to your direct experience you are the first woman ever elected to the position of president of the South Carolina State Conference NAACP. So that is absolutely incredible. And being in national leadership, you are obviously often in conversation with people about the key points of advocacy for the organization, ensuring equity in healthcare access, education, criminal justice, economic sustainability, presence of young adults, and finally, pertinent to today's conversation, voting rights and political engagement. And so I'd just like to learn how you came into the work of political engagement and why that's such an important calling for you. <laughs> oh, well, I have been active within the NAACP for a number of years. 
And and uh, I heard something very interesting. Well, it was just a few days ago. Uh, we were talking about experiences that we've had past that kind of triggered our becoming involved. And yes, it was an experience many, many years ago that I had um, that related to, you know, my, my uh, security uh, economically. And so it was the NAACP that helped me. So because of them helping me, then, you know, I felt, well, of course, I need to be a part of this work, advocacy work, and I have continued it. I have a passion uh, for working with young people. I don't know if you know, I am a nurse by by trade, by uh, education. I kind of gravitated to working with young people. Um, the youth councils and the college chapters and uh, getting them involved and develop, you know, they, they are our future leaders. So we have to prepare them for the work that needs to be done and get, uh, ha- uh, engage in them in whatever we, it, it is that we are doing, politically, uh, education, and, and you went through all of the uh, areas, but it all comes back to getting a sound education and um, being prepared to work after you graduate from at least if from high school, being prepared to do something to be able to meet your needs. Or if you continue your uh, college education, then uh, you should have be afforded that opportunity. Well, everything almost has some type of political political aspect related to it. Um, I was at the health chair for a while. Getting into this role, I guess my experience prepared me for some of the challenges that I have. You know, it's it's different. It was different for everyone, a female leader. So it's it's just my experiences, life experiences, uh, my interest in advocating. Uh, health for health uh, for individuals. And I'm not going to say it was without challenges because, you know, that was a big change for many people. But I think over time, we developed a relationship that really, truly is effective. As you know, I, I work with presidents throughout the state. If there's a task to be done, we pull together and we get it done. Just that, you know, in spite of COVID, and I share it with you, uh, you know, what we did with the census work. And, you know, it's those people at the grassroots level that truly get the work done. We have to work with them uh, and listen to them to know what the needs are in the different communities in our state. So uh, I guess it was just my previous experiences, because even in nursing, I, I was in a leadership role so it just kind of transitioned. I moved that over to the NAACP. And, you know, nursing, you care about people. In AACP, you care about people. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. And then I, I just have, I have one final question. And I'd love to, after that, open up the floor to any other commentary that you would like to give on the issue or on NAACP efforts. But I just wanted to ask, how would you encourage the community to get involved in efforts um, related to this year's redistricting? Oh, I can answer that very quickly. As I said, we have branches, approximately 70 some branches throughout the state. Those branches have members. 
we encourage uh, from the state level uh, them to become involved in their local activities because you know uh, the redrawing of the lines are also in terms of uh, uh, districts, school districts uh, uh, within their communities take place. So they are involved um, at a local level. We are currently making sure they're being provided with training so they can go back to their communities and, and implement uh, the information that they've gained. We also have a consultant that uh, works with them. Um, the state conference provides a lot of support to our branches. So we made sure we have in place uh, consultants. We have the support of our national office that will lead and guide us as necessary. And then we have our local consultants and we've tried to engage resources in the community that will be helpful as well in terms of uh, working toward making this a good product in terms of what's presented for consideration when it comes to redistricting either locally or statewide. Thank you, Ms. Murphy. If there is any for anything further that you'd like to talk about, any more chit-chat about redistricting? Mm, well, I know it's going to probably be challenging. Uh, I and I, I'm sure we, we are up to the task. We will get the job done. And if there are challenges, even after the lines are drawn by the, our um, state house, uh, the representatives and senators, then we will let our voices will be heard if we don't think it's uh, representative of our needs, our needs. And the thing is, we advocate for the rights of all people, equal justice, equal education. That's what our fight is all about. Justice for all people. Stay apprised of what's on the horizon for fair voting in South Carolina so you can do your part to advocate for justice and equality for all people. Visit scwomenlead.net for the latest information about redistricting, stay tuned to our social media channels at scwomenlead, and subscribe to our mailing list to receive redistricting news and fair voting alerts in your inbox. Diversity. It's more than just a buzzword. It's a rallying cry for change and an opportunity for gender and racial equality, as well as community equity, to at last become a reality. Join us on May 25th and May 26th for a conversation about race and gender diversity with women from across the state as we share our stories, celebrate the progress trailblazers before us have made, and empower each other to tackle the disparities that remain. Plus, we'll share an exciting announcement about our circles of women. We're also hosting an interactive virtual workshop focusing on developing the specific skills of building and facilitating safe and diverse environments and community organizing to advance racial justice on May 25th. Learn more about those and more upcoming events at scwomenlead.net. Thank you very much for listening. We'll Listen is brought to you by South Carolina Women in Leadership. Please share your comments about this episode on social media at SC Women Lead. This episode was produced by Shannon Ivey with the What She Said Project. That's what we'll listen for this month. I'm Sarah Ballard. Please join us again next month.